Welcome to the Ermi Podcast. This is Joel Applebaum, Chief Content Officer at Ermi. And for over 40 years, Ermi has been an industry leader in educating and informing insurance risk management professionals. Increasingly, standard farm liability policies sold to farmers do not insure losses from contaminants. And it's almost impossible to work on a farm where contaminants are not prevalent. So in this episode, we bring you a snap talk from our 2021 Emmett J. Vaughn AgriCon titled Environmental Risk Coverage on the Farm. It's by Dave Dibdahl. He's the president of the American Risk Management Resource Network. In this snap talk, Dave details why one Supreme Court judge described Wilson Mutual's general farm coverage liability policy, Farm Chemicals Limited Liability Endorsement, among others, as useless insurance. After this snap talk, you will come away with more informed of the value of environmental impairment liability insurance. So please settle in for a 17-minute discussion in plain language from our expert, Dave Dibdell. Hello, I'm Dave Dibdell. I'm delighted you've chosen to listen to the Ermi Snap Talk on the subject of environmental risks converging on the farm. A little bit about me. I'm the founder of American Risk Management Resources Network, which just goes by Armor, A-R-M-R. We're a wholesale environmental insurance brokerage firm. That's our specialty. Uh, we also do expert witness work. We have served as an expert witness on over $12 billion in litigated environmental damages, both for plaintiffs and on the defense side. Uh, we also do broker errors and emissions, litigation support, always on the defense side, in case you were wondering. I'm an author, having appeared in over 30 textbooks on environmental insurance topics, and I'm the lead author for the ERMI resource series for agribusiness on the environmental loss exposures. I've been at this a long time, and I'm aware of a convergence of environmental risks on farms due to changing environmental laws. Actually, they're the same laws. They're just being applied differently. And that increases the risks. At the same time, uh, pollution coverage or coverage for pollution losses is, is being stripped away from liability insurance policies. And we're going to talk about uh, the impact of those things. And as that's going on, economies of scale in farming operations are creating larger farms. And larger farms concentrate their environmental impact into smaller areas. And they look more and more like industrial polluters to the general public. There are decades old federal environmental protection laws that were written before the farming business changed to what we have today and farm liability insurance coverage is being systematically stripped away for pollution losses, not just by creative underwriters who are putting in new exclusions, but case law. And we're going to talk about those topics too, very briefly. So there's a potential conflict of laws on farms as it relates to environmental impacts. Every state has a right to farm law, 
and those laws are designed to protect farmers from nuisance claims arising from customary farming practices. The idea is you can't sue a farmer for putting mud on the road. The farm was there before mud on the road was ever an issue. So if you got mud on your car because of the farm, you moved to that nuisance. You can't sue the farmer on the basis of nuisance. But right to farm laws do not eliminate liability for potential bodily injury to others. Right to farm laws were written when farms were much smaller than they are today, so they don't actually address some of the issues that we have to deal with today. And right to farm laws are not right to pollute laws, which seems to be a concept pretty foreign to people in the farming business. Environmental protection laws and farming practices. There are more environmental laws and regulations to protect human health and the environment than the entire tax code in the United States on a state, federal, and local basis. There are normal agricultural practices exemptions in most of those laws, but the laws were written decades before the issues that we have to deal with on larger farms today. In those laws is the ability for citizens action groups to enforce the federal laws when politicians and regulatory agencies fail to do so. And that's starting to happen in the last five years. Federal environmental protection laws will prevail over state right to farm laws. In one of those actions, it was a Clean Water Act uh, was used and the city of Des Moines needed to pre-treat the supply water in the Raccoon River that was supplying their drinking water because so much fertilizer had been applied to the counties upstream of Des Moines that the city needed to build a $183 million water pre-treatment plant to strip out the nitrates. And environmental protection laws are funded under the Make the Polluter Pay concept. So the city of Des Moines sued the Board of Supervisors of the three county drainage districts upstream from Des Moines on the Raccoon River, claiming that those districts act as a conduit for nitrates to move from farm fields into the Raccoon River. And how they do that? Drainage tile. The city was seeking federal oversight of the drainage districts and indirectly the farmers in those districts under the Clean Water Act. It is highly unlikely anybody involved in this matter has the insurance coverage they need for the loss costs associated with contaminating a river. The Resource Conservation and Recovery Act is another law that uh, was originally created to regulate industrial polluters. And it regulates solid waste, but solid waste is not limited to solid materials, but also includes liquids and semi-solids and contaminated gaseous substances. If you violate the Resource Conservation and Recovery Act, you can be subject to a fine of $55,000 a day per violation. So, 
Where does manure fit into the Resource Conservation Recovery Act? Well, it would be exempted in normal agricultural practice. But there was a citizen's action brought into play in Yakima, Washington, where the citizens used the EPA to investigate nitrates in their drinking water around some farms that were supercharging manure disposal in a limited area. And uh, the citizens sued the, sued the farmers. The government didn't. And what happened was uh, the federal court determined, they took them to court and said, this, these farms are violating the Resource Conservation Recovery Act. They don't have a permit to put that much manure in these places. And the federal court determined manure leaking from the defendant's lagoons was not natural or, ex or expected consequence of the manure's intended use as fertilizer, but rather a consequence of the poorly designed temporary storage features of the lagoon. So they got around the agricultural practices exemption in RICRA. As the manure was knowingly abandoned into the soil, way beyond its fertilizer value, it transformed the manure into a solid waste under the Resource Conservation Recovery Act. The farms were held to be operating a waste disposal facility without a permit. They didn't fine them the $50,000 a day. They uh, uh, did make them provide alternative drinking water supplies and monitor the wells of the affected parties near the farms. But that was a precedent-setting case where manure was the pollutant or the, the, you know, the proximate cause of the pollution. And they went after the farmers under the Resource Conservation Recovery Act successfully. Then how does insurance apply to a case like that? For that, it's really good to look at the state of Wisconsin, which is where I'm from. There were two cases on like January 3rd, 2015, goes back a few years. They reached the Supreme Court because lower courts couldn't figure out how exceptions to pollution exclusions might apply to groundwater contamination involving the spreading of mammal waste on land. Simple as that, happens all the time. I mean, the spreading of waste on land. So what happened in the Falk case is uh, the Falks put manure on fields. The manure contaminated the drinking water supply with bacteria, put a little boy into the hospital, and uh, the, the injured parties sued the, the farm owners. And the Falks insurance policy uh, was determined that it did not apply coverage for the bodily injury and other damages. And that was because although manure wasn't in and of itself a pollutant, the bacteria from the manure was the proximate cause of that loss. So standard liability insurance policies sold to farms do not insure losses arising from contaminants. There are some pollution coverage givebacks. I'm going to talk about another one. And I'll also talk about the way to think of a pollution coverage give back that will 
usually get you to the right frame of mind. Manure from, uh, bacteria from manure are contaminants in groundwater and are therefore excluded by the pollution exclusion of virtually all farm liability policies. One Supreme Court justice, when reviewing the Folk case, commented that the coverage provided by an endorsement to override the pollution exclusion for sudden and accidental pollution events on the farm liability insurance policy was useless insurance. That's what the justice called it, useless insurance. In a second case involving a farm pollution policy, this time there was a give back for chemical overspray. And one way to think of a coverage give back is that it's technically an exclusion to an exclusion and the double negative neutralizes the exclusion. Never confuse an exclusion to an exclusion as a pollution insurance. That's a good rule of thumb. Some farm policies have chemical overspray coverage givebacks. One of the justices had to determine if manure was a chemical or not, which didn't take him very long. It was not a chemical. There was no coverage for nitrate contamination of groundwater in the family farm policy. The second case didn't involve bacteria. It involved nitrates from manure. Actually, it was septic tank waste. The Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice in that case wrote, one could wonder, this is a quote, one could wonder what conversation transpired between the insurance agents and the cutels, yielding insurance policies that do not cover harm caused in the course of their chosen business. However, the actions of insurers and their agents are not before us. Well, what's the justice saying there? She didn't think it was right to sell insurance to farms that exclude something they cannot avoid doing, which in this case was putting manure on fields. If you got cows, you got to get rid of the manure. So how to insure a farm against environmental liability? You need to seek out specially modified environmental impairment insurance that provides coverage specifically for pre-existing low-level nitrate contamination events. Uh, just the mechanics of an environmental insurance policy, the pollution has to first begin after the retrodate. These are claims made policies. Every farm field in America has nitrates in the groundwater below it. Nitrate contamination cannot first begin subsequent to the retrodate. There's no coverage for nitrates unless that is addressed specifically. And you do that by uh, saying that a certain level of nitrates would not be considered a pre-existing pollution condition. Or write a policy without a retrodate, but currently those are not available or affordable on farms to any great extent. Losses arising from the application, hauling, and storage of manure specifically should be addressed because it took the Supreme Court in Wisconsin to figure out if manure was a pollutant or not. The policy should cover gradual and sudden accidental pollution events. A Supreme Court justice in Wisconsin determined that sudden accidental pollution insurance for a farm was useless insurance. 
you don't want your clients having to go to the Supreme Court in a state to try to figure that out. Just assume you need both gradual and sudden and accidental. And then you need to have pollutants, the definitions of pollutants, to specifically include odors, manure, bacteria, nitrates. I once served as an expert witness in a case trying to argue that odors were certainly a pollutant. I spent 90 days on it, and I can tell you with great certainty that nobody really knows the answer to that. So, you know, is odor a pollutant or not within the standard definition of a pollutant in an insurance policy? Simple solution, just say it's a pollutant and it will be. So some important takeaways from this presentation, the environmental risks of farming are growing along with the size of their operations. And they're conflicting with environmental protection laws that were written decades before their operations got as big as they are today. Right to farm laws are not right to pollute laws. And those environmental protection laws are being used against farms to enforce environmental protection. Farm package policies are not adequate protection for contamination-based damages. All those coverage givebacks, I would never call those pollution coverage. It gets you in trouble. Specially modified environmental insurance can fill the pollution coverage gaps. Policies are available for somewhere around $3,000, as small as that. So they used to be very expensive minimum premiums. They're not so bad today. Um, compared to the general liability insurance, though, on a farm, they're relatively expensive. That's uh, unfortunate, but, but that's just the circumstances today. Uh, thank you for listening today. I hope that you find this information useful. My contact information is easy to find on ERMI. Dibdahl, David Dibdahl, and uh, we also have a lot of resource material on our website, armor.net slash farms, a lot of articles and resource materials there. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe to Ermi Podcast in your podcast app to be notified of new episodes on agricultural risk topics.